we are going to continue in our series entitled Wisdom for the Path of Life. Wisdom for the Path of Life. And so what we've been doing for the last couple months is looking into the book of Proverbs. God, how can you grow our hearts so that we can make better choices, choices that would honor you? And so we're going to continue with that today. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. If you want to use that Bible sitting in front of you like the one I have here, we're going to be on page 551, page 551, as we look at Proverbs chapter 30. As you're turning there, I will say this, that today is a somewhat significant day in the life of our church, Uh, and you're going, well, what? What's going on here? And the last Sunday in June represents for us the end of a year. And so December 31st is the end of the year for all of us, and we make New Year's resolutions and have parties and things like that. When we get to the end of June at the church, we look at our books and say, how did we do? And we look back at the year and say, God, how did you provide? And we start to look ahead at a new ministry year, which actually will start July 1. And so when we look back, one of the things we do is we say, thank you, God, for your provision, but we also vote on our church budget. And so in your worship program today, there's a little white card like this one right here. And I'd like you to grab that out if you would. And what we do as a church is we affirm our leadership and the budget that they have proposed, our elders have made, that the school board has constructed and and that they have given to the elders for approval. And, And so I would like to walk through this with you a little bit here and ask you to join in on this today. Uh, One of the things we do is we look at this ballot. We ask you to uh, say, I do or I do not support and affirm the leadership proposed budgets for Willamette Community Church and Albany Christian School. And and we'd ask you just to say, you know what, I, I affirm what our church is doing. And we've had our budget out here for the last few weeks. Some of you have asked questions about that and we appreciate that. Over the last year, I've at our congregational quarterly meetings, we call them huddles, we get together and I share with you our uh, financial status among other things. And so we're going to ask that you either affirm and support or not uh, the proposed budgets here. If you know that you're a member of our church, and this is a process too, going through a new attender dessert and meeting with some of our leadership and, and hearing our faith, your faith stories. If you know you're a member, go ahead and mark that if you would. Here's the church proposed budget, $451,000 for the year. Nearly a half a million dollars, we say, comes in and goes out. And so this is a 4.9% increase from last year's budget. I'm being told by our bookkeeper, as I've seen the financial reports, that Uh, When we close the books in a few days, we will finish in the black with a positive balance. And uh, in the seven years that I've been the pastor here, four of those seven years we finished in the black. And so it kind of ebbs and flows, and sometimes we uh, meet our budget and sometimes we don't. But praise God, we're getting to the end of this June and saying, God, thank you, we are finishing with a positive balance. Albany Christian Schools budget you'll see is $909,690. This is a 3.3% increase over their budget from last year after they had cut it and made some cuts because of some uh, tuition numbers they had. And so uh, the Lord has been good. Albany Christian School is finishing in the black again. And in the last seven years... Uh, Albany Christian Schools finished in the black four of those seven years. And we, we just want to say, God, thank you for one of those good years. And I've been sharing that at our huddles, just saying, thank you, church, for your giving and your support. Uh, our, we've been responsible with our spending. And, and, uh, and so we are grateful that we are finishing in the black here. If you would take a moment and just mark these. I'm not going to do this because I did this first service and I'm not going to stuff the ballots here. But if you would write, I will support Willamette Community Church and its leadership and ministries by regularly praying for the church and leadership. If you're willing to do that, mark that. Again, we're not asking you to put your names on that. This is kind of a heart issue, issue with you and the Lord. Regularly giving of my offerings. If you're going to do that this year, if you would mark that. Regularly attending worship gatherings and then regularly serving in the church. And if, if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd ask you to do this. At the end of the service then, uh, take that and put that in one of the four joy boxes on the way out. On the way out. And so... 
Uh, as I said, we're finishing in the black with a positive balance, and that's always nice. In my own office, I have two calendars up there. One says year number seven, and year number seven for me is lead pastor finishes in a couple days, and I just give thanks. It's like, wow, Lord, you sustained me, allowed a knucklehead like this to be a part of this church body. And so I've got this new calendar, and it says year eight. And I'm like, wow, by the grace of God, we get to start year number eight uh, together. Anyway, so uh, if you would be a part of that and put those in the joy box at the end of the service, we would appreciate that. Let me ask you two questions before we dive into the Word of God this morning. You ready? Two questions. If you're taking notes, uh, you can go ahead and answer these questions on the notes for yourself. And uh, two questions I'd like you to give a little thought to. Question number one. Would your life be better... If a significant amount of money was put into your bank account today, or would your life be better if a significant amount of money was taken out of your bank account today? Would you go ahead and just just mark that, write that down. Question number one, would your life be better if a significant amount of money was put into your bank account or if a significant amount was taken out? Would you go ahead and just... Because I don't know if everybody's going to write the same answer on that, if you'd think through that, just... Take a moment. Would your life be better? Second question I have for you. Would your faith be better if a significant amount of money was put into your checking account? Or would your faith be better off if a significant amount of money was taken out of your checking account, banking account? One would have to do with your life in general. Would my life be better off with these money issues? And then I want to ask about our faith. Is your faith going to be better off if a significant amount of money is put in or if a significant amount of money is coming out? And I'd like you to think through those questions. Maybe even the rest of our time here this morning. My life, my faith, are they the same? Are they different? Because what I want to talk about today is money and partly because we are affirming a budget that our elders have proposed and our school board has proposed. But but I, I want to talk about how... Our life and our faith sometimes are disjointed, but how our life and our faith are really one and the same. And it doesn't matter today if you are here and you say, I am a follower of Jesus, I've placed my faith in Him. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm exploring Him, or I just don't know anything about Jesus. We're glad that you're here. We would hope that you would learn about Jesus. I want to talk about Him and His ways today. But money is a heart issue. And you may have said real quickly, my life would be better if somebody put a significant amount of money in my banking account. But my faith? I don't know. Did you come up with a different answer in those? I don't know. I'm wrestling with that myself. If somebody put that in, would I consider my life in a better position? Would I consider my faith in a better position? Because sometimes money, you're gonna, I want to show today, money messes with our heart. Money messes with our faith. Would you agree with that? So what I want to do today is talk about money as we look at Proverbs chapter 30. Well, I want to start by saying this. We need wisdom to lead us regarding heart issues. We need wisdom to lead us regarding heart issues. And money is a heart issue. We've been talking about these heart issues. Money is one of them. And we need wisdom from God to deal with these heart issues, things that our heart can wrap around. So last week we looked at this idea that we are called to guard our heart. Last week we talked about the idea we're called to guard our heart. Remember what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. I hope that you're memorizing this. I hope that you put it on your refrigerator or whatever it is. Solomon says this, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. If you would guard your heart, money issues love life issues, relationship issues, health issues, whatever it is, they center around our heart and our heart gets attached to things. Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. 
Now today what I want to do is I want to talk about two foundational truths about wealth and stewardship. Two truths that a, a follower of Jesus would believe. Two foundational pillars here of what someone who says, I believe in the word of God, would agree with. Foundational truths. First one is this, that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. The Word of God tells us that everything you see, everything around us, belongs to God. In Psalm 24, it says this, The earth is the Lord's, and everything therein. The earth is the Lord's, and the world and those who dwell therein. The earth, everything, go to the beach, belongs to the Lord. Go to the mountains and the lake, it belongs to the Lord. Live here in the valley. It belongs to the Lord. Everything is His. And that's going to be foundational as we talk about money and wealth and resources and provision. To remember this foundational truth, everything belongs to God. Secondly, I want you to know this, this truth that there is only one kingdom that will last forever. There's only one kingdom that will last forever. And you and I, we try to build our kingdoms. We try to build things. I've been a part of Willamette Community Church on staff here now for 14 years. And I kind of think, this is a kingdom. This is great. This is beautiful. And I've got to be reminded that no, there's only one kingdom that will last. And that's God's kingdom. And it's not called Willamette Community Church. There was a day that this church started, 1867. And there is a day maybe that God says, you know what, I just want to break this up a little bit. Maybe it's getting wayward. This is not the kingdom, but His is. There's only one kingdom that will last forever. And we need to be reminded of this truth. I think if we remember that everything belongs to the Lord and there's only one kingdom that lasts forever, the fear of the Lord starts to permeate our thoughts. It's like, wow. God is big, he's the creator, he's in charge, he's creator, I'm creation, he's eternal and I'm finite here, I'm going to die and I'm going to have to stand before him in judgment. And as a result then, what we do have, what we do possess, we are stewards of, we are servants of what God has given to us. What we do is we get to take care of the things that God has given. We get to take care of the body that God has given. Sometimes he's given you some resources, some family members. We get to take care of those things, but they ultimately belong to God. And I want you to see this as we talk about money today, as we talk about resources I look at what Jesus says about this. Jesus, in many of his teachings, he used parables, right? He used these stories to kind of tell a greater, deeper truth. And in Jesus' parables, almost half of his parables speak about the topic of money and wealth. In fact, if we are reading through the New Testament, in fact, today in your worship program, there's a light blue insert. It's our bread project, all right? Starting in July, we say, here what? We're going to read through the Psalms again for the next six months. That's that middle column. We're going to read through the New Testament again for the next six months, starting on July 1st, Matthew chapter 1. And as you read Jesus' teachings in the New Testament, you're going to find this, that his teaching and the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter... That money is spoken more of than heaven and hell combined. I know heaven and hell are significant, but we're spoken to in the New Testament more about money because it's a heart issue. It says, in fact, money can get in the way of you and God. Money can get in the way of you and eternal life. Money is spoken more of than prayer. God, of course, values prayer, right? Connection with him. But we see that there's more talking about money than prayer because it's a heart issue. And if you're not careful, this heart issue can drag your heart away from God. Now with that, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30, page 551. Now for weeks we've been looking at some of these Proverbs written by Solomon for 29 chapters. When we get to chapter 30, this one's written by another man, not Solomon, a man named Augur. And he writes this. I want to look at verse 7. Follow along, would you, in your Bible. He says, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. First, remove far from me falsehood and lying. 
And he says then, secondly, give me neither poverty nor riches. It's kind of a weird request. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Some of your Bibles say, give me my daily bread. Provide for me every day, would you, God? Lest I would be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Look at verse 8 again, would you? I want to focus on this one. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Poverty. Think with poverty, Augur is saying this, God, keep me in a place where I will honor you. God, don't let me get so poor. Because if I get so poor, I'm going to make some choices that dishonor you. Please don't let me get over here. But he goes over here and says a weird saying. Don't give me riches either. Because if I get this, God, keep me. I want you to keep me in a place where I'm dependent on you. Because the problem is I can get over here and if I get too rich, I'm going to think that I don't need you. Those are pretty wise words, aren't they? Think about that for a minute. God, I don't want to be here because I'm afraid I would dishonor you. But God, I don't want to be too far over here because if I do, uh, I'm going to not need you in my opinion. Wise thoughts. Let me address both those issues for us this morning because I think we wrestle somewhere between those two. And maybe constantly. Let's start over here. There's a problem with too little wealth. There's a problem that happens with too little wealth. And I don't know what too little wealth means to you, but let's just go with this idea that too little wealth. Too little wealth, and we can easily dishonor God. If we get too far over here, we can easily dishonor God. All of a sudden, we can say, I need money. I can then I, I'm tempted to steal. I'm st- tempted to lie. I, I'm tempted to cheat. I'm tempted to envy. I'm tempted to covet. And all those things then are heart issues that dishonor God. You with me on that? You've been over here at times in your life, I imagine. Maybe most of your life. And you say, when I get too far over here, all of a sudden I want to lie to get out of it. And I want to covet. And I want to steal. And I'm just finding my heart's going to bad places. God, help me not be here because I don't want to dishonor you. First Timothy chapter 6. Let me show you a few verses here. The Apostle Paul says this to Timothy. He says, those who want to get rich fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I want money, I want money, I want money. Boom, trouble, ruin, destruction. Look at verse 10, for the love of money. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He's not saying money is evil, just to love it, to obsess over it. It's a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for it have wandered from the faith. And pierce themselves with many griefs. Maybe you've been there at times. Maybe you're there right now. And and that's why you said, my life would be better if a significant amount of money would be put into my bank account. Let's talk about too little wealth. Where does that come from? We just started brainstorming this week. Where, Where does too little wealth come from? Sometimes we've wasted it. Imagine we could go around the room and just say, could you tell me where you've wasted some money? And you could. You could say, you know what, I started using a credit card a whole lot more. And then I was just paying on interest and I, I wasted it. I bought some possessions that were just stupid. And some of you would say, uh, maybe I've wasted earning power. You know what, I, I had the ability to make a lot of money and I just goofed off. Wasted earning power. Maybe some of you, you'd say, I just haven't worked hard enough. I found myself over here just because I was lazy. As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? There are some people, though, who have had circumstances that are just plain plain difficult. Just that are far above anything that they could get themselves out of. And it caused me to think, what do I do when I see certain people who are asking for money? 
I don't know about you, sometimes we get a little judgmental. It's like, if you would just go get a job, if you'd just stop doing this, if you'd start doing this, right? And we don't even know the circumstances they had in their life. But there are reasons that we become, have too little of wealth. And I I guess I just want to warn us not to be judgmental as well. But too little of wealth, when we get there at times, when we live in that, too little wealth can create a great temptation. And this great temptation is to dishonor God by deserting our faith in Him. Deserting our faith in Him. Just We get to this point, it's like, you know what, God, you're not going to help me out. I'm done with you. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with trying to honor you. I've been here too long. And some of you could say, I've been there. And all of a sudden, I started deserting my faith in God. You said, you know what, it's not working for me. See different people stealing and cheating and lying. It seems to be working for them. And this is a heart issue. This is a faith issue. And if you look back at verse 8 again, it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me neither poverty. Because when I get into this situation, it becomes a heart issue for me. It becomes a lack of faith issue for me. And this is why I said, what would be better for your faith? What would be better for your faith? A significant amount of money or significant being taken out? I don't know how you'd answer that. But it becomes a faith issue as well. Now, Augers mentioned, well, don't give me riches either. Why would he say that? That's a weird one. Let's talk about this. That too much wealth, and we can easily disown God. Too much wealth, and we can easily disown God. If we get too much in our bank accounts, before long we can say, I don't need you. We just sing, Lord, I need thee every hour. And yet if we have a lot of wealth, we kind of like, God, I really don't need you. I'm good. If there's a problem, I'll just pay for it. If there's an issue, I'll just make myself happy by buying something. And I believe as Augur is writing this, he's saying, listen, too much wealth and we can easily disown God. And some of you are like, that's, not, that's hardly my problem today. That's hardly my problem, having too much wealth. But I think it becomes a problem for individuals. And it becomes a problem for organizations. And it can become a problem for churches. If every year we're in the black and every year we're just putting money away and every year before long a church can say, we really don't need Jesus We just need good strategy, we need good teaching, we need some good music, you know, and and we got a good enough bank account. Before long, we could say, God, we don't need you. Let me take you back to the Old Testament. Book of Deuteronomy, if you would. You don't have to turn there, but here's the story. The Israelites have been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Not much is theirs, right? They're slaves. God rescues them out of slavery. For 40 years they're wandering and he provides for them every single day. Food from heaven. Their shoes aren't wearing out for 40 years. And he says, there's going to be a day where you're going to have your own stuff. Look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 17. He says this, when you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it and say, I'm going to set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. I want you to know this, God says about the king. He says, he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire more horses. He's saying, don't let the king get too rich here. Look what he says. He says, and he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive gold and silver. God says this, there is one day that you're going to have your own stuff. Kids like this idea, one day I'm just out of the house and it'll all be mine, right? And God says, listen, I want to tell you, when you start getting this mentality that it's all mine, I want you to be careful that you don't have this mentality of, now I want to get rich and build my kingdom. 
Well, the nation of Israel became their own nation. They're on their own. They get their own land. They're harvesting their own figs and olives and things like that. They're having a good time. King Solomon becomes the king. And we know that he is wise. He can make great judgments. God has given him wisdom. But he was foolish on some heart issues. First Kings chapter 11. Follow along as I read this. It says, Now King Solomon, as the king, he loved many foreign women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. That's the command. Solomon clung to the women, though in love. Check this out. He had 700 wives. That's not a typo up there. He had 700 wives. He's the king. He says, I can do whatever I want. I just want the most beautiful women in all the world to come and just be my women. This is what I want. He becomes wealthy. And before long, he's like, I don't need anything else. I get everything I want. He had 700 wives. And his wives, what did they do? Turned his heart Away, And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. We read that Solomon, even though he's wise, he starts making bad heart issues. He says, I want more women. I want more silver. I want more gold. I want more horses. I want more chariots. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. Because I'm I'm the king. You and I kind of do that every once in a while, don't we? Maybe not king of the nation, but we're king of the castle. King of the house, I want, I want, I want. And it becomes a heart issue. And our heart issue is like, God, I don't need you anymore. Look at, look at all this stuff that I have. And too much wealth, and we can easily disown God. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, I'm not that excessive, man. I, I don't have 700 wives, and I don't have that much silver and gold, and I get that. But do you see the temptation? Do you see the temptation when you start saying, now I got my own home, I got my own car, I got my own schedule, I got my own, and before long, we just, nah. let me ask you, when you start getting some of this stuff, do you get to the point where you say, I got enough? Or when you start to accumulate stuff, do you start saying, it's so good, I actually want more? What do we do? We get a little money in our bank, and what do we say? I want more. When I asked you, how would your life be better? I'm guessing most of you said, duh, give me more. Put more money in my life. I want more. I want more. I want more. Because all of a sudden you start patting this. And here's the heart issue. You can start saying, I don't need God. Too much wealth. We can easily disown God thought about this question when do we cry out to God when are the times that you cry out to him when are the times that you say oh God would you please fix this is it when you're over here and you're like man everything's good got the new addition on the house got the new boat just got a whole lot more money God help me are you saying that over here (laughs) when's the time that we need faith when's the time that we cry out to God What would God want? What's better for our faith? God says, you know what? I kind of like it when you're over here. Because you cry out to me and you call out to me and you talk to me and you get on your knees and you cry. Because when you're over here, you just get fat and lazy and you forget me. Amen? So Augur says, God, give me not poverty, lest I dishonor you. Don't give me riches or I'm going to disown you. But where's the best place? Maybe a little over here, huh? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at these verses, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, those who have a lot. I'm not going to say that's all of us, but if we went to Sierra Leone, all of us, they would call all of us very wealthy. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud. Not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but set your hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to, what was that word? To enjoy. He says, you know what? I'm allowing you at times to be over here, 
Enjoy the beach, enjoy the lake, enjoy the mountains, enjoy the golf course, enjoy the car or the motorcycle, enjoy the pool, the home, the air conditioning if you have it. (laughs) There are things you can enjoy, but listen, they are to do good. Those who have, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I started making a list then. What are the ways or the reasons that we end up getting a little more money? How how do we get too much wealth? How, How do we get over here? I started making a list. And some of them aren't good. Some of them, I guess, are good. But sometimes it's workaholism, right? Because if I work, I get money. And if I work more, I get more money. And if I work well and I get a promotion, and that's one way we end up over here. Sometimes it's through hoarding. Okay, I collect some, and then I collect more, and I collect more, and I collect more. Sometimes it's being stingy. I, I just can't share. I got to keep it for myself. And we can accumulate wealth that way. Sometimes it's ultimately it's just setting money and possessions as an idol. It's just, I want to build this kingdom. Will this one last? There's only one kingdom that will last. And you and I, we're trying to, I want to build this kingdom. I want to build my namesake. I want to build, it won't last. Now I know this, that some are blessed... And some in this room and some in our world, some are blessed to make more money than others. They just have a knack at it. They just have a good business sense. Some people do, and that's why they end up a little over there with a little more wealth. And some have inherited more money than others. Some of you just walked into it and it's like, man, I, I just I, I'm kind of born into this. Some have made really good choices. And that's why you're a little more over here. But I want you to hear that there's a temptation when we're over here with a little too much wealth. There's a temptation to disown God by sinning against Him. There's this temptation to disown Him and ultimately sin against Him. Maybe you've been blessed to get over here. and Maybe you've blessed and made good decisions and you're over here. But if you're not careful, there's a temptation to say, God, I don't need you. And then to sin against God. And all of a sudden, we can get over here and say, you know what? This is mine. You know what? I've earned it. I can do whatever I want because it's mine. Disowning God. Temptation to sin against Him. And again, this is a problem for individuals. This is a problem for churches. So where's the balance? Where's the balance in this? Where's the balance for you as an individual? Where's the balance for us as a church? I mean, so we've put some money away this year. We've saved some money and we've finished in the black. And it's like, so is the purpose to just get more and more money? Where's the balance in this? One of our elders told me something like this a few years ago. He said, make as much money as you can. I'm like, whoa, okay, cool. I like that, I thought. He followed it up with give as much money as you can. (laughs) Catch that? Make as much money as you can. Part of the system that God has put us in. Make as much as you can, but give as much as you can. Because there's only one kingdom that will last. And it's not yours. And the love of money, if you're not careful, the love of it, it's a root of all kinds of evil. But it's also a tool that God says, I've given you money and resources so that you can bless others in this world. Now, some of you might be going, is he getting to a pitch where he's going to ask us for money at the end of the day? Okay, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you, hey, we've finished this budgeted year well. By the grace of God, we'll do the same. We'll continue to use his resources for his glory, for the sake of others. But really, here's my job. My job is to prepare every single one of us for eternity. My job is to prepare us to use the life that we have right now for the glory of God and the sake of others. I'm not here to say, would you give more money so I can get a better salary so that we can have whatever. It's not this. It's, I want to prepare you so that your heart would be in the right place with God. 
See, when Jesus went around, a lot of times he just talked about money. He says, that's your problem, money. You're trying to build your kingdom. There's only one kingdom that matters. Follow me. That's my job. I want to say to you, there's only one kingdom that matters. Let's not let our hearts get wrapped around money and possessions and wealth. And so our job is to honor God, to grow closer to Him. And this has to do with money, and it has to do with love relationships, and it has to do with pride, and it has to do with all of these things. And so I'm not going to be asking for extra money today. But as we close the records on our books in the next couple days, and we finish one year and start another, I want each of us to grow in wisdom. Grow in wisdom regarding this heart issue of money. God, I I don't want to be over here because if I get too far over here, I, I could dishonor you. But God, if I get too far over here, I could disown you and just act as if I don't need you. So, I'm asking God this week, God, would you speak to every single person here? I don't know. Are, are they over there? Are they too far over there? Are they over here? Are they too far over here? I don't know. I'm saying, God, speak to me, to these people. Help us to know where our heart is. Is our heart wrapped around this thing called money? So where's the balance? Let me give you one word. And it's this contentment. And it's contentment with a healthy amount of God-given wealth. And I'm not going to say what the healthy amount of God-given wealth is. Some people have over here, over here, over here. I don't know what healthy is. And some people over here, over here, over here. I don't know. But contentment with that healthy amount of God-given wealth, what it will is it will be used by God to bless others. If you would have a contentment with what God has given you, He's going to use that to bless others. He says, would you just let me undo your fingers off of your bank account? Whatever that amount of money is, would you be content with what you have? And, because I want to bless others. Let me take you back to Deuteronomy again, chapter 24. Remember, these are the laws, these people. You're going to have your own land. What are you going to do when it's yours? You're going to have your own fig tree. What are you going to do? You're going to say, it's mine. You're going to have your own olive branches. What are you going to do? You're going to say, it's mine. Watch this. When you reap your harvest in your field, is it really yours? He's like, it's not really yours, but you're going to call it yours. Go ahead. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you forget to go through one tree or whatever it is. Don't go back to get it. That's weird. Command of God. Don't go back and get it. Why not? It's mine. I've been watering it and taking care of it. Why can't I go back? He says this. It shall be for the sojourner or the alien, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless. Check this out. You. In other words, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have all this and you're going to go through and you're going to pick all the olives because what you do with those olives, you barter and you sell them and you make a living and that's your living and you eat and do all of this stuff with them. But you forgot one? Leave it. Leave it for an alien, a stranger who comes by and says, I need some food. Leave it for a widow who can't maybe get a job. Leave it for the fatherless and say, I can't provide for myself. You let them have your stuff. The idea is, what he's saying is, you let them glean from what is yours. This morning at 5 o'clock, we sent off 20 of our young people to go to gleanings for the hungry. And what they do is they just take from all the, the harvesters around the area, all the oranges that are too big, too small, too deformed, whatever, and they glean, they take from these places then they freeze it and dry it and all this and they ship it where? All over the world to the people who can't get this. Our kids are going to be able to do this and, and work with this ministry. But it comes from this idea here. Verse 22, it says, You shall remember, here's the key, You shall remember that you were the slave in the land of Egypt. And therefore I commanded you to do this. God says, Whose bank account is it? And you want to say, Mine! And he goes, wrong answer it's mine I gave you the ability to make wealth I gave you the ability I gave you the brains I gave you whose 
boysenberry bush is that in your backyard? This is what I have. And I want to sit there and go, it's mine. God says, no. I know that you could sell some of that or you could do, but now it's tougher because I got a fence around my house so that, you know, the alien and the fatherless and the widow can't come by. But if you want to, knock on my door and I'll let you take all the boysenberries and raspberries you want, okay? Well, as soon as I see that, we'll probably have like 200 people at my house tonight or something. But anyway, all right. Now, as I'm reading the story of Ruth, this is pretty interesting. There's a young lady named Ruth. She is a widow. She's also an alien. She's not from the Jewish culture. She is living with her mother-in-law, who is also widowed. And her mother-in-law says, go out to this man named Boaz, his field. Our Jewish law says that he is going to go throughout the field, and he'll inevitably miss some stuff. Ask him if you can glean from that. Ask him if you can pick up the stuff that has fallen on the ground, the things that got unpicked. And as a man who honors God, he will allow you. So she says, Boaz, could I do this? And Yeah, go ahead. And she goes... And she's an alien, and she's a widow, and God provides for her. Now, Boaz could have said, wait a second, it is my field. No, get out of here, woman. He said, no. God has said, you know what, it's really his field, and I've taken a lot. Sure. It's interesting, Boaz and Ruth start talking to each other, and before long they get married. And if you start reading Matthew chapter 1 on July 1st, if you're reading the Bread Project, if you read that, it has the genealogy of Jesus. Where did Jesus come from? And it mentions this lady named Ruth, an alien, a widow, who marries a guy named Boaz, whom she happens to glean from. This is one of Jesus' relatives. This becomes the great-grandma of King David. It's just a beautiful story how it all ties in. But God's idea is this. It's not yours. I've let you have whatever it is so that you could share, so that you could care, so that you could bless. And so when I say, would you be better off if you had money put in or taken out? You're like, well, it's mine. Maybe you'd be blessed if you got to share and care and and got to bless other people. And this is what God does. And this is what God does through our church budget as well. When we give and our elders vote on this and you affirm this, we say, we're taking all this money, nearly a half a million dollars, and we bless our church family and we bless in our community and we bless in Mexico and Sierra Leone and we bless this ministry called Mid-Valley Fellowship who blesses our community and we bless this ministry called Mike Silva International and they go around and they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to thousands of Because you and I say, it's not mine. It's God's. And I'll share. And I'll care. And I'll bless. Look at Proverbs chapter 11. This is crazy. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. Solomon says this, One person gives freely, and yet grows all the richer. That's just weird. How do you give and you actually, if, if, if you just started giving out of your bank account, how would you get more money in? It just doesn't make sense. This is God's economy. Another, though, withholds what he should give and suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So there's this idea of contentment and gratitude of this healthy amount of God-given wealth. And what it's also going to do is it's going to deepen our faith in God. If you start to, wherever you are on this spectrum of wealth, if you would be content with what you have and understand that it really belongs to God, it's going to deepen your faith. It's going to deepen your faith. If you would stop saying, I need, I need, I need for me, it's going to deepen your faith. Look at this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. What a faith statement. If we have food and clothing, we'd be content. That's, That's a tough one to say, isn't it? Could you say that today? If I have food and clothing, I'd be content. 
I started saying, if I have food and clothing and air conditioning and this and this and extra in the reserve, and then I'd be content. But it's a faith. It's a, it's a faith issue. Let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand, but do you like just getting by? I don't. I don't like just getting by. I don't like getting by just as a church. I don't like just getting by in my personal budget. It's like when I get to this, it's like I don't like that. That's a tough place to live. Instead, I'd like to say, you know what? I'll give and I serve when things get better. I've heard people say that. I'll give to the church and I'll serve when things get better for me. But I'll tell you what, that's not faith. That's not faith. That's living by sight, saying, you know what, I got it now. now okay, now I can give some because I, I got extra. I think God wants us to be in a position where he says, if you're just getting by, I kind of want you there. Because you're only going to call out to me and cry out to me when you're in a tough place. My hope would be this for you, that you would let Jesus whisper into your ears and that you would hear him. Because he wants to say things like this. Listen, my goodness in your life is enough. We sang some of that this morning. God, you're enough. Jesus is whispering, my grace in your life, the things that I've poured out to you, it's enough. Would you trust me? I've always taken care of you, and I will take care of you, and I will continue to take care of you. Will you trust me? I would hope that we would listen to him. I would hope that we'd listen to him as he says, everything actually belongs to me. Would you hear that? There's only one kingdom that's going to last, and it's not yours, it's mine, is what he's saying to you. And I would hope that you and I then would be people who would respond to Jesus as we hear that and say, Jesus, keep me in a place where I will honor you. Keep me in a place where I will honor you. Because sometimes when I get over here, ah, my, my heart goes to bad places. And when I get over here, I, I kind of think that I don't need you. And so God, would you keep me in a place where I'm dependent on you? It takes faith to pray that. God, keep me in a place where I'm dependent on you. So I'm going to write out this prayer and ask you to consider this with me. Father, help me to trust you regarding wealth. Help me to trust you regarding wealth. To trust that he says, I've always taken care of you. And I always will. Because I love you. My grace in your life is sufficient. It's enough. And God, would you give me wisdom to steward your resources well? for your glory and for the sake of others. We ask this when we make a church budget. God, would you give us wisdom to take the resources of this church family and help us to steward and use this well. But I'm asking that you would pray that too. God, would you give me wisdom to use my money well? Not even my money. I know this is a heart issue. This is why Jesus talked about it so much. He says, sometimes this will get in, what, in the way of your heart from even following me. And so I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. I'm going to ask that you reflect for a moment with me. Maybe confess. I don't know where you're at on this spectrum, but maybe you're, God, I confess, I building my kingdom, I'm hoarding too much, I'm, I, I don't like to share, just confess that to the Lord. Maybe you're on the other side and you're saying, God, I don't have much anyway and I just, I find myself lusting and coveting and envying other people and re resenting and then I get mad at you and Heavenly Father, uh, we do confess that we are broken people that uh, 
allow riches and money and wealth and possessions to get in the way of our relationship with you. God, I want to pray first for those who have placed their faith in you. They call themselves your children. They call themselves Christians. They say, Jesus has paid for me. You know, God, we're messed up people and the money gets in the way. I ask that you would help us to examine our heart and to guard it. That you'd help us to hear your voice say, my grace, my goodness in your life is sufficient. Trust me. God, I want to pray today for those who don't know you yet that are trying to maybe earn your favor, who are checking out Jesus, trying to figure this out. I know that they struggle with money too. God, would you help that person to see that their greatest heart issue is that they need to place their faith in you for everything. Even this morning, if that's you, just simply say, Jesus, I need you to give me a new heart. And as you say that to him, he says, done. Sins are forgiven. You're in my family. Walk with me now. And God, we know that we are going to continue to fail in this issue. I, I thank you that this church has been just wonderful givers this past year and that you've helped us to spend responsibly and you've used resources to bless like crazy. And, and yet, God, you want to continue to do that this next year. And so by your grace, we know that you will provide for us individually and as a church for your people that you love in this world. So I thank you for a church family uh, that gives and loves you. Just continue to grow our hearts. Uh, release our fingers from this idol of wealth. Do a great work in us. And so God, we thank you. Thank you that you are gracious. You are gracious and compassionate slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And so for that, we rejoice and we look to you today and for another year until you return. We pray all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we exit rejoicing and singing today?